Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Before we get started, I just want you to, Rod, you can appreciate this. This dang coaching mistake I made. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at this. Uh-oh. What? That oh, is a no. big section of unused paper What'd you do? that I don't know. I went from making you. in there? No, I went from making ULM notes to Bama notes, and I just, this is just unused paper. I just wasted all this paper. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Oh, man. Other a, notes. But see, you've got the spiral. I like the legal pad. Maybe yours that's is, the benefit to the spiral. Yours is neater. Mine it's, tends to be organized. I just got all messy. this unused paper. So The, the spiral so, has yellow shards of paper all over the place everywhere. It's a dang coaching yeah. mistake on my part. But anyway, we're not here to talk about paper organization. We're here to talk about a hell of a football game Zero that we CD. saw on Saturday. Uh, Texas and Alabama, it was a one-point loss. For the Longhorns, much more competitive game than I expected it to be. We'll break that down, and we'll get into UTSA because one member of this show has done a crap ton of research on UTSA, and he will explain why he did that here in just a minute before I formally bring in the rest of the team. Wherever you get your podcasts, however you get them, uh, just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button on your favorite podcast platform. You get every episode of The Blitz when it drops. On Tuesdays, you can also get this Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, Thursday nights at 8 o'clock on The Horn. That's 104.9, 101.9 AM, 1260, streaming on The Horn app and at hornfm.com. And obviously, you can get it at horns247.com. The latest and greatest of Longhorn team news, notes, and nuggets, the best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. It's all available for you at Horns 24-7. Now let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Would you like to explain, surprise, surprise, Matt's the one that's done a crap ton of UTSA research. <laughs> no. Why you went I down the rabbit hole on UTSA, on Jeff Trailer's yes. Roadrunners. Because uh, week one they were playing U of H, and I thought it was going to be like a high-scoring shootout, so I went pretty deep into it, and then after watching the first half in the game, I was like, man, this UTSA defense, they're a lot more better than they were last year, but it was like their passing game. They're ones that love to throw it around, but like they were going against Clayton Toon and Tank Dell of U of H and basically shut them out down for the first three quarters, and 
is because UTSA also on the offensive end, they returned all their passing game from last year, their quarterback and three receivers. They don't have a running game, but those three dudes can keep them in a game, so it's still sort of scary for Texas, even though Texas just went toe-to-toe with Bama. At Butler and Austin on Twitter, if you need your UTSA prep, Mm-hmm. Matt did it, so you don't have to if you got any questions. All right, the third member of our team, uh, he always preps for everything he's got going on, uh, but for the purposes of this show, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I appreciate the intro, brother, as always. Uh, Rod, you Matt, you watched the game from home, correct? Yes. On Saturday, Rod, you watched it from inside the stadium? I watched uh, had most of them inside the stadium and went home and watched the rest of it. How was that traffic getting out of there around halftime? Uh, no, no, it was good. I mean, I um, I, I left during the game and then went okay. and watched the rest All of right. it. So, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, like, this I, I'm is not getting so, hot. I yeah, I can't. Somewhere no, to watch you can't. It. You can't risk that, man. Okay. Just wanna just wanna make sure you got in enough game watching. Well, we all watched it all as it happened. We all went back. Rod, you good? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. You gave me a look. I don't know no, if someone no, no, on your no, phone no, no, you need to take care of. Sorry. Okay. Well, we all watched the game as it happened. We've all done our. Uh, I'm assuming we've done our film reviews. I did mine. I went back yep. and watched the game and made notes. Um, I I'll say this. That was as physically violent of a football game as I've seen a Texas team play in a long time. And uh, yeah, I agree with that. It's a nice way to put it. And you know, Texas has the injuries to show for it, the injury report to show for it, and we'll definitely get into that. But guys, the more like in the immediate aftermath, I, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll kind of throw myself under the bus, Longhorn fans. I was down on the field chatting with our good friend Cedric Golden of the Austin American Statesman towards the end of the game, and it was right after Burt Auburn kicks the field goal. And I tell Cedric, like, dude, it never crossed my mind that they would actually win this game. Hmm. Hmm. So I've got to basically – I'm, I'm a minute 29 seconds away from having to basically redo everything I thought I was going to do in terms of post-game content. Yeah. Because it else. never honestly, – honestly, Rod, like it never – it never crossed my mind that they were actually going to win the game. I mean, I don't think I ever thought they'd win the game. Uh, by the end of our prep and by, say, by Saturday during the day, uh, right before pregame, and I got to the point where I was like, right, they'll keep it within the number because the number was too big. It was oh, agreed. agreed. It was like 21 and a half. And it was like point. 90% plus of the money was on Bama, and that yeah, and never, like, never yeah, wins. Yeah, and I was like, nah, they'll keep it within the number. And I think I basically had, them at, uh, had Bama winning by – 13, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. I think I was at that point by then. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, I, I'm going to lie. I didn't think they'd win. I didn't say they'd win. I didn't no, think I, they'd win. And they came damn close to it. Uh, could, it went to the point that, like, going into it, like, I built all my fantasy teams around Texas's passing game and then Alabama's running backs. And I really thought Texas could trade scores with Bama if they're able to move the ball on the field. But like you said, I didn't expect them – to win the game, but they could actually move the ball because Ewers and just the explosivity, Texas's skill guys 
oddly were so much better than Bama's on paper that it was like, well, if they can just scheme some situations, they might be able to get lucky. And then once I watched Quinn play the first quarter, I was like, wow. When During the first quarter, I was like, they can win this game if the defense keeps playing well. But then when the Quinn injury happened, it literally I haven't had the same feeling since Colt got injured. Like, you're so heavily invested. You're thinking, oh, wow, they're exceeding all expectations. It looks like they can't cover a couple of our guys. And then your heart gets ripped out. And it was like a numb feeling the way I literally hadn't felt that same numb feeling for a dozen years watching football since a Colt injury. I, I want to start with the defense. Because it's funny, Rod, this has played out kind of exactly like I thought it would. Had the defense been terrible through the first two games, PK would have gotten all the blame. Like, oh, PK is a terrible, terrible defensive oh, coordinator. I know you're going there. But now that the defense has been great, man, Gary Patterson did a great job with this defense. Like, yes, PK dude. gets none of the credit for this defense. Unfortunately, you're, unfortunately you're right. Because yeah. even, even myself, I'm guilty of it too. And I tried my best to give some love to PK. But let's, I mean, Guys, when was the last time we saw a defensive effort this good all, all around? Because I tried my best to, to single out one player and say this guy was the difference maker. There wasn't. Now, there were great performances. Yeah. Anthony Cook had a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ford had a hell of a game. I mean, those guys had great games overall. But I can remember, man, so many different guys stepping up, especially on the D-line. Yeah. I mean, they all probably had six. Exactly. I think it was, what are you talking about, Alfred Collins, or it was Vernon Broden, or mm-hmm. Ojimo, or Colburn, or Brian, uh, uh, Baron Sorrell. Um, Byron hell, Murphy. A Gofu. You mean a Gofu? Yeah, like, like everybody. I remember, I, I literally have a play right now in my head thinking about all those guys who stepped up yeah. at crucial points in the game. Mm-hmm. And you talked about Jalen Ford. I love the Jalen Ford game because he had a bad game versus ULM. And this is a hell of a bounce back. All right, you find out who the dudes and the dogs are versus Bama. Oh, Jaday Barron. He's a dude. Uh, Jaday Barron. And I love, you know, Gilbo's, Gilbo's going to be a great, uh, obviously a great nickel, corn DB, whatever they decide he's going to be. But it's interesting that versus Bama, it, there were at times he seemed overwhelmed at times, and they put Jay, Jay Barron in there, and Jaday Barron, the moment's not too big for him. No. no. Uh, that was great Same that you with had Jaron two. Thompson. Yeah, that you had, oh, Jaron Thompson stepped up. Man, talk about a guy laying the wood. <laughs> the big issue with him last year was what? He was a bad run defender, yeah. great pass defender, but a poor run defender, and now you see him versus Bama running the alley and laying mm-hmm. your hat. Yes. And it's like, that is, so that's the kind of development we're seeing, the growth and development of certain guys. So I, I really did enjoy watching that defense performance. And I can't think, maybe Georgia. The USC maybe. game in 2017 is the one that jumped out to me immediately. Was because, that one? Because that was a game, again, kind of like this one, going into it, you're thinking, okay, because it was Sam's first start on the road. SC was ranked fourth in the country. Now that SC team, I think they won, won like 10, 11 games that year uh, with Sam Darnold at quarterback. And you're going and thinking, okay, can they keep it close? Like, can they cover? Can they just not get blown out? Like, same deal. And then that was one of those games where I'd be like, dude, Holton Hill, P.J. Locke, Malcolm Roach, like Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, like damn near everybody on defense you can single out of them for making a play. It was the same deal with this game. That was the the USC game in 17 was the one that immediately jumped out to me. as like I don't know that I've been this pleasantly surprised with such a good defensive performance since that game. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think I'm going back to the Georgia Sugar Bowl. Uh, that was because it, it surprised me because the te- Texas actually won the trenches. They won the line of scrimmage yeah. versus Georgia, and nobody thought that was a thing. Yep. This game, that also, I mean, I don't know if you won the line of scrimmage versus Alabama, but you were not 
overwhelmed. It wasn't Fayetteville last year. And you exactly, and you the, every there are so many different guys that won their share of one on ones versus the Alabama offensive line, which is not known to be a a dominant elite offensive line. But guys, there a lot of times when that pressure was put on Bryce Young, and I have the numbers here, I got to go pull them out of my notes. Um, that's there were coverage sacks, yeah, yes. coverage pressures. There was nobody open downfield. Alabama receivers, unimpressive. You brought the numbers up uh, and talked about that, too, about the Alabama receivers. And I think Texas figured they could at least match up and even win some of those one-on-ones with the Alabama wide receivers, um, even if they couldn't win in the trenches. But I do like the fact that, man, they played some sticky coverage. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, this and this maybe this is GP, the, the, the pressure packages are coordinated with the coverages yeah. finally. So they make sense. Last year they didn't make sense. You would have some coverages that did not coordinate with the type of pressure that you were bringing, mm-hmm. right? You know what you I mean? Gave them it, an out, like, yeah. And it's like, well, why? Well, why would you bring pressure off there and then leave that wide open <laughs> window or that wide open area of the field right there when you know this quarterback is going to throw into the pressure or whatever? So now the, the the coordination of the coverage actually works. It's more in sync and compatible. With the pressure packages, there was That's something. There was only one time, Rod, that I can clearly remember where you blitzed and it bit you. And I'm not even talking about like the Ryan Watts sack. I mean, that's a got, that's a it great got play. home. Yeah, yeah. He just missed it. It's yeah, a, Bryce, a great, great, great play, great play by Bryce, by Bryce Young. Yeah. But a couple plays before that, on that same drive, they dial it up, and and the blitzes were as clean and as well-timed as I've seen. Like, that's another thing with the defense last year. When they blitzed, they were not well-timed blitzes. They did not do a good job disguising it. You could read, like, Ray Charles could see what blitz was coming. Like, it was it was that bad. Uh, these blitzes were very clean. They were very well-timed. The one time they got bit by the blitz was a couple plays before that Bryce Young scramble where that I don't remember if they go empty or if Jameer Gibbs was in the backfield, but Jalen Ford blitzes late. And they just got a good matchup with Ovia Gofu trying to cover Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs just ran oh, by him. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was a great – that was on your uh, your top plays. Yeah. And it was – you're right. That was a great adjustment by Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's offense usually lacks imagination, and it did mm-hmm. in that game too, really. But you're right. That was a that was a great isolation yeah. of a matchup, and they won. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a win all day, every day. That, I don't know. Yeah. And Texas was just hoping that they, he, he didn't see it. Or hoping that the that pressure got, got home, home yeah. before he oh, saw the timing it. Was right. And nope, he got it. Because that could have been one that if Texas wins that game, Bama fans are going, man, if Bryce Young just gets rid of it a half second early, Jameer Gibbs is running wide open on an outside yeah. linebacker. And he was running wide open. Just that. Yeah. That's how close. That's how a few cl- plays. Yeah, that's how yeah. close this game was. But, I mean, PFF's got Texas down with six missed tackles. Rod, I don't know what your missed tackles number were, if that was in the, in the same ballpark or not. I didn't even, honestly, after the first. Driver two, I stopped counting, so I haven't, I haven't counted that when I go back and watch because they didn't miss them any. Yeah, I mean, I, they missed some on the first like couple of drives. Remember they were the they, Gilbo one. Right, I think out, they missed yeah. like two or th- three maybe on those first couple of drives. But after that, you know, and obviously on the eighty-one yarder. Yeah, let's talk about that. I say they, I think most of them happened on the first couple of drives, and after that, Texas kind of shored things up. I want right. to get your take on that because Matt and I were talking about it before you got here, and. I think both of us saw something different. Matt was watching Jalen Ford on that play, and I'll let him d- discuss mm-hmm. his point of view. But my thing was I think that play got blown up up front because I would imagine when the defensive staff sat down with the players and reviewed the tape, the first question would be to Baron Sorrell asking, and I'm not picking on Baron Sorrell, played a great game against ULM and was on the field for a lot of snaps mm-hmm. in this game. The question would be what are you doing? Because it's like he tries – 
he tries to like loop inside on that, he and that. He, he basically takes Alfred Collins out of the play. Yeah, remember, and, yeah, remember yeah. he's remember we talked about that. It's like he he does that sometimes. He he slip blocks. Guys. Yeah, yeah, he to go inside because he thinks he can make it up, but yeah, he didn't make it. Not make it up against Bama, really and like did. you say, he took Alfred Collins. He did Collins. against ULM a couple of times, yeah. but he made up for it. And, and, he, and that actually ties perfectly into what I saw because all I saw was Jalen Ford. Running, he if he just runs with a full no hesitation to his run fit, he can blow up that hole. The thing was is his eyes, I think, saw what he thought was a hole in the cutback lane because he just, instead of just running through to his fit, he stops as if there's a cutback. And the cutback was that hole that he thinks is there isn't there because there's bodies on the ground. That's where Sorrell took out Collins. Mm. So, like, he saw the clearance of bodies falling and thinking it was a cutback lane instead of just running through yeah, his yeah, fit yeah. because he would have been there on time. He had it 100%, but he just stops for at the time I thought was a mythical cutback. But then when I came in and talked to Jeff, Jeff pointed out the Sorrell thing, and it makes sense that when he took him out, it looked like a hole to a linebacker's eyes. Okay. That makes sense. And then Jace McClellan's obviously fast enough that with the first and second levels taken out. You, I would say this, though. You gotta with you gotta limit that to to sixty five. Yeah. You gotta give yourself a chance. Y'all are too fast. Yeah. Y'all got too much yeah. speed out there. Dang. Come on, guys! Like, and I know just being nitpicky because they play the hell of a game. Mm-hmm. You gotta give it because it's a chance. This defense can hold them to a field goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. which they did in the red zone a couple of times. So I I think yeah, man. I I would that uh, Sark emphasized speed in the offseason. Football IQ is higher, right? Mm-hmm. We know that. Um, the speed, there's enough speed on that field to limit an 81-yarder to a 67-yarder and then give yourself a chance to play defense one more time. There is a, there, yeah. there has no speed out there. So, there, to me, that means your pursuit. I, I'll go look at the angles and when everybody noticed it. Obviously, being nitpicky, like I said. But, you know, that's what that's that's what you're talking about. Beat yeah. number one, you got to be nitpicky. There, there are plays that were left on the field. Once you get done talking about the officiating and how proud you are of how the team played and everybody That's where I was, what, where you're talking about, that's where I was during the rewatch on Sunday. Exactly. Like, I was proud. I was really proud. And then by the time I got to watching it on my third time, I was upset. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. You could have won this. You could have won this damn game. This game was out there. Alabama laid it out there for you. You could have won this game. You did. There was a great game plan. There were, their plays were out there. Mm-hmm. And, yes, that's why they're Alabama and that's why he's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. But that's where I think Sark and Ed, on the rewatch, that's where they're going to be too. Like yep. guys, we could we should have won this game like this. Yeah. And, we could be ranked and up in the top. Let's team. be honest, guys, get a second half lead again uh-huh. on a ranked opponent. <laughs> Yeah, so and didn't close. Five yeah. out of the last eight losses. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was one of the big things last year. Oh, Got to close. Mm-hmm. Yes, you played harder, and you did play downtown. So a Texas fight down to the wire. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Lizzo size. But is yeah, you also had the same thing versus Oklahoma and Baylor and Oklahoma State last year. Yep. You also had a halftime lead on Iowa State. That's what I'm saying. But you had four, four, four of your seven losses last year. You had a yeah. second-half yeah. lead. And there were four in a row. That was the first time in 15 years an FBS team had four losses in a row when they had a second-half lead. And, yeah. listen, I love the way they played Bama, but truth is, you did have a second-half lead. Let's talk about the standard. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at Texas even last year, <laughs> so we'd always point out the amount of minutes that Texas led opponents. It nearly it was one of the first times a team could have a losing record and lead their opponents yeah. in the top 25 in the country. No, I, I know they're – listen, I know the, the refs, they screwed them. The officials yes. screwed them. Interference get to in that. the first half. Uh, I, listen, backup half. quarterback, guys going down, injuries, I get all that. But y'all know, Longhorn fans, now that y'all have rewatched it, even with all that, 
You still, still had a chance. chance to win it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you still had a chance to win it. How many plays? Deshaun Jameson, drop pick. That was out there. Like I said, an 81-yarder. Stop him for 75. Give you a chance to play some more defense. Who knows what happens? Maybe you hold him to a field goal. The missed sack from Ryan Watts, that could have been a difference maker, Xavier too. Xavier Worthy drop touchdown. Xavier Worthy drop touchdown. Mm-hmm. The, the red zone. Sark, Sark's probably already upset. Mm-hmm. He's probably going back going, damn, my red zone play calling. I got to get that right. Oh, I got to get Bijan's that right. Bijan's feet gave out you when know? he was cutting up fields. He, the guy with the best balance that never has his feet come out, but he turns corners quicker than anybody. Yeah. The one time, it was like even him, he was in overdrive at that point. Any of those one plays you make, and you can win it. So, let, of course, the, the we're all proud. Field, the missed field goal before the half. The bl- blocked field goal. Well, will answer you, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's a great play by him, but yeah, that's just showing up your special team. So it was, it's still out there. Even though it was a lot going against you, that was still out there for you to win it, and that's the next step. That's going to be something I nitpick here in a minute, by the way, that drive before the end of the half. I want to get to that. But on the defense, Rod, again, I think it bears repeating the run, the way they fit the run, coverage on the back end. I want to get your your take on coverage because to me it seems like last year, look, we know coverage was bad last year, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like you had guys in some situations that like, man, in some cases, like it's all or nothing. Like I'm either going to get a pick or it's going to be a 60-yard touchdown. But it almost seems like from a coverage standpoint – and I see it like from guys like Anthony Cook, like especially those safeties. It's like, mm. no, I'm just going to make the smart play and live to fight another down. They are – what's football IQ now? Yeah. It, it, that's basically what's happening. And, you you know, your way of looking at it is just – it's the same thing. I, I think basically now – I call them football – be a football investigator. Guys are now looking at the clues – down the distance, the formation, the personnel, the player they're playing up against, the tendencies, remembering their film study and going, all right, in this formation, this down and distance, this personnel, man, they really like the wide receiver screen or they really like the double slant or whatever it is. And instead of defending eight different routes mm-hmm. on the route tree, they're defending three. Yep. They're going, no, no I'm only going to run these three route combinations. That's an 85% chance they only run these three. And they decide to do something different. Hey, you know what? I got to be a football player and adapt and adjust. But right now, I'm defending these three and two, three of these routes. And two of these routes are just inside cuts. And that other one that they like to run is a deep cut. So I'll have time. So I'm going to read the three step, then we'll go right back to the wide receiver. And then if it ain't a three step, Boom. I wonder why. I mean, I think they're just doing yeah. the work now. That's why Anthony Cook can have that, you know, those those isolated uh, perimeter passes for Alabama. Mm-hmm. He goes out there and make two tackles for losses. Mm-hmm. When he go look at him, he's like eight feet, he's like eight yards deep. And yeah. do that and reading that space. And read and close that Confidence. space that fast. That's confident. No and hesitation. Believing in your eyes, right? Believing in your film study going, Oh, I see it. Actually, that's exactly the formation I remember. Or oh, the tendencies are here. Oh, he's actually gonna throw the wire. Oh, it is. Boom. Go yep. get it. And these guys are seeing it now, and you can tell that the preparation now is starting to meet up with their natural instincts in film study. But I think they're becoming, like I said, better football investigators, and that's just my long-winded way of saying football IQ is better. Well, yeah. and when football IQ is better, it can let you play faster in that, exactly. in that confidence. <laughs> and that's where, like, last year's team wasn't all gas, no breaks. This year's team almost looks like they're playing that way because they're playing with, like you said, pre-snap identification, but exactly. then confidence within you, not only only your own skill set, but your own situation that you're being put in. And that's the one good thing about this team, at least with the coaching and it integrating well with the players on the field, that it's also like they're putting them in the right place to succeed. So the scheme and can the even players are believing you. in the system. Yes, so it's exactly. A, it's now mutual it's a trust that's building. Yeah, it's, symbi- exactly. yeah, it's building because they're like, well, I believe in this system. Yep, this system we're going. is actually, yes, it's yes. proving to produce results. All the I'm things that make you player. hesitate aren't there. Yes, and that's the best thing about this game, guys, is that 
Now those players believe. Yeah. Yeah. Now the confirmation of everything they were told in the offseason, the hard work. Now the question is now that you have confirmation that the the vision of Sark and the coaches is paying off producing results, are are you gonna have the success flu of like Nick Saban? Right, when Nick Saban talks about, it, are you gonna start believing? Rat poison. Yeah, you right. Start believing in your own success and thinking, okay, who I told you that was just that was just a a hardship that we were going through. Now we finally arrived at where we need to be. We're done. I'm we're done with the journey. We're here. We've landed at yeah. our, our destination. It's like whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Or do you have the attitude of man? Everything that coach the coach told us and all the stuff that we had to you know work hard and persevere through an offseason, man, it was all worth it. So man, what if we do double that? Mm-hmm. What if we do triple the amount we did in offseason? What if we work that much harder? Mm-hmm. Will, 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 the, will the results be that much better? Mm-hmm. So which attitude they have, and and everybody in the locker room is going to be different about that. It's like anything in life, what you're talking exactly. about right there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you want to reinvest? Yeah. Yeah, I I think you know fans can think that way. Like I've seen a lot of a lot of social media feedback. Oh man, we're going eleven to one. We, yeah. we can get to the Big Twelve <laughs> Championship game. Right in the table. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for thinking that no. or, or or believing that. But those guys that go inside Moncrief every day, they mm. can't think that way. They can't think that way, man. It's got to be about getting better every That's, day. That's how because UTSA is a good team. You got well, a good game this weekend. I'm I'm speaking from jaded media member at this point. Guys, I can't tell you how many games like this I've seen in the last decade plus where it's oh, like, yeah. okay, this is going to be the moment that Texas builds from. And then two weeks later, like, Texas go, LSU? like go back to, uh, go back to, well, hell, last year against Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right after last the game, year, we were talking about, yep, can't wait, can't wait to get the Sooners in a rematch in Arlington. We can, Great we can point. beat them in Arlington. Great and a couple point. weeks later, that team lost to Kansas. Great point. Yep. No, our, oh, man, I forget going into that game, you only had one loss. Yeah. I mean, because it just didn't. It already seem, went yeah. back up the rankings because everybody else had lost. It was a premier yeah. matchup. Yeah. Now you're right about that. No, we've uh, Texas. I was saying, I, I hope it is not what the bowl games were to Tom Herman, mm-hmm. and you know, what I mean, where yeah. you you know, what I mean, where it's somehow Tom Herman, Tom Bo Herman, as Bucky likes to call him, you know, he would <laughs> his teams would get inspired. We Love still that. have not really quantified exactly what it was. I think it was about ultimately it was about pressure. And I think there was no pressure in those exhibition games for Tom Herman teams, and he performed really well. But we all know that's not real football. And my fear, because you got thirty days to prepare, mm-hmm. families out there yep. and vacate, like that's not real football. Real football is I got to deal with injuries. I got five days to prepare. I, you know, what I mean, I, my players got to go to class. I only get this many hours in practice. That is real football. And my fear about the Texas Alabama game is this: is that yes, they prepared for it. Most of the offseason, we know Gary Patterson was on that thing for mo- multiple months. We know mm-hmm. Sark said the game plan was in three months ago or whatever. And I wonder if this was, you know, like I said, the kind of the Tom Tom Herman bowl game situation where you had so much time to prepare. You had the you had the infusion of enthusiasm of the offseason. Yep. Gary Patterson added to the staff all these things and all the guys almost mesmerized by the moment. Yeah. And then when it comes back to real football, which mm-hmm. is week to week, guys get hurt. You got to grind. You got to go to class. It, yeah, exactly. Like it, it's just it's a grind. It's a grind. It grinds you to a nub, and that's that's what happened last year, right? It yeah. was like, oh yeah, they were great until you know got to Oklahoma, and it's like, how, why can they build on that moment? Because it's a grind. Yeah, that, that's I what heard, football yeah. is about. To and do got, it eleven and, times and to get in a row. better every week in spite of that grind. That's 
That's the challenge. The yeah. best phrase I've ever heard to describe that I heard Greg Popovich describe it one time, and it was uh, it was the the year that the Spurs were playing the Heat in the finals, where Ray Allen hits the three in Game Six at the last minute, <laughs> and he said the toughest thing like this. He's like, when you empty the cup, can you go fill it back up mm. and do it again? Yep. Love that, and it's I'm a big like, part of that's, yeah. that's a great. I love Pop that. Analogy. Said that, I love that. I've tried yeah. to. That's been in my mind ever since. I'm like, because it really is like, Rod, you've been there. Like when you have these games where Oof. you spill your, like you, you feel like you left your guts oh, on man. the field, it's exhausting. win or lose, and then it's like, all right, you got five days to go get ready to do it again. Because another, because UTSA, by the way, they've been preparing for you. Yeah, you're Alabama. The entire offseason. Yeah, you're there, Alabama. Jeff Trey is going, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Four, Perfect. Four months, man. I've been preparing for this damn thing for eight months. I've right. been working on this day last season. You I've been preparing I mean? since Texas <laughs> didn't retain me. I, I had secret scouts going down to watch Texas games last year. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think Jeff Trey is that kind of guy. I think he's that kind of old school ball coach. So, yeah, that's what you need to realize. They're going to empty their cup. And I know they got five overtimes they've had the last two weeks. That may have affected that. But that's that's ball. Mm-hmm. That's what football is about. Like yeah. every week, it's going to be a different challenge. And for Texas, that's a gr- I love that man, Jeff. What you said about that emptying the cup. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's the challenge here. That's what the leadership is going to be about. Yeah. And that's and a tough part yeah. of doing it. Like, and you brought up the idea of you know the Tom Bowl Herman aspect, and then eating that rat poison all off season compared to like at least this week with yeah. Texas. You don't have any time to think about that. It's straight on to UTSA. It's just the issue is filling that cup back up because you know how much cat taken out of you against Alabama. And to be able to just be able to move on, and it'll show that mental strength. Like we always talk about uh, the how do guys become like the best of all time. I just always think about a guy like LeBron is always able to be consistently great 100 games a year. It's so hard to do it, it every hard. single week. And that's what Alabama, yeah. even with their down weeks, is able to survive certain situations because where they've got to as a program. But in football, the bludgeoning that you take – doing it 17 weeks in a row. I mean, even watch these NFL teams. Some teams, you know, they start off slow because they know it's a long marathon, and you started to see that pacing go with players even playing minutes in the NBA. Football, college football is different because every game means so much that you know your season sort of teeters on the results because Texas, in their mind, they're playing for the Big 12 championship. That can get you in there, but – who cares about that? If you lose to UTSA, you can win the Big 12 championship and you aren't getting into a playoff. So it actually does matter just as much after you've already had one loss. Yeah, I, I, the interesting thing with this game is, you know, we talked about that with Texas, the fill in the cup back up. Man, if you're if you're Jeff Trailer in UTSA, you went three overtimes with you with a good U of H team. team. And I, Rod, I, I will tip my cap to anybody. Anybody that schedules one of the service academies mm-hmm. in non-conference, because yeah, that's a no-win situation, right? Yeah. You're supposed to be Army. You're supposed to be Air Force, but that's a different group. That's a different group of cats that it's you're playing against. Those yeah. are those guys that know their next job. They're they're prepared to go defend this country. Yeah, like it's it's a different. It's a totally different ball of wax. Totally agree. And for you to good primer for it, like not Discipline. just not just the emotional and physical capital you expended. <laughs> Going three three overtimes with Houston, you had to go to Army and come back on the road and finish that game off in overtime. Yeah. So that's my which that to me is gonna be the story of this game coming up on Saturday. Which one of these teams, what do they have left in the tank at this point? It's a great yeah. I feel like your it's like the cup you just talked yeah. about, your cup analogy. Whose cup pop. is gonna be was yeah. gonna be fuller? 
for lack uh, of a better term, it's yeah, the start no, of the no, game. Yeah, no, no, I'm with it because now, you know, obviously getting back to the Bama game, and I, you know, obviously um, Tech talking a lot about the defense, but defense, you know, they, had, they lost to Sean Jamison. I think that was probably their biggest loss on defense. And yeah. we saw it. That was earlier in the game. Yeah, it's after the first quarter. Right, that was mid-second quarter. Right yeah. after he almost picked that pass off. And Bama didn't really try to explore it until late in the game. Yeah, they didn't right? test Jameer Johnson until late. They didn't test him until late in the game, and it was probably late. And then, I mean, they got some crucial, you know, I think first downs via yeah, Prentice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I honestly, I think they held up pretty good considering oh, yeah. Austin, started like Austin Jordan. I told you guys about Austin Jordan just watching him on the practice yeah. field. Like, I like that kid. Austin Jordan played, I don't know, 15, um, 16 snaps in this game and yeah. played well. And by the way, Ryan Watts had a couple of snaps where he ended up cramping or something. Like he was off the field yeah. one time. And I don't know how long, but that happened as well. Across so, the board, the numbers were insane. Texas held Alabama to five, 4.8 yards per pass attempt, which is crazy. In man coverage, 13 dropbacks, 90 yards allowed against Bama. You're less than seven crazy. yards per attempt. In man coverage, I mean, your guys were better than their guys they were. on the back end, which is crazy. I think that Texas, ultimately Texas coaches looked at that Alabama personnel on the outside mm-hmm. and said to themselves, guys, honestly, we faced better wide receiving cores in the Big 12 last year, yep. and honestly, we faced better in practice. Yep. We believe yeah. X-Men and Jay Witt, if you if you throw those guys up there, and if you if IJ Hall was actually, you know, Playing and you, know, you went against and that's the, not nice dressing. So you I went know. against Isaiah Nayer in the spring. Though. Isaiah Nayer, you know what I mean? Like ultimately, Texas wide receiving core, in my opinion, just looking at it out there, maybe just as good, if not better, than Bama. They're way better. And I, exactly, and I think the Texas coach said, "Dude, why should we be afraid of these guys? Mm-hmm. Just because they got the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, but man, we can lock down these weapons." And that quarterback that's exactly was there because he did. was throwing to Jamison Williams yeah. and throwing to Judy, all these NFL talent. And when you have like Jermaine Burton transfers in from Georgia. Like they got good. They got good players out there, but you're right. They don't have first round Jameer prospects. Gibbs is the what? one guy that yeah. yeah of their skill guys that you could say that would be getting tons of snaps at Texas. I don't think any of those receivers, and I even think Latou may be behind Jatavian Sanders, but still Gibbs would be on the field. Yeah, splitting snaps with Bijan. If you look at him in the rush game, nine for twenty-two. In the past game, nine targets, nine receptions, seventy-four yards. Yeah. Like they're off, or set, yeah, seventy-four yards. Their entire offense was throwing down to the running backs. Yeah, Rod, if I'd have told you going into the game, what what would you like Texas' chances of slowing down Alabama's receivers if Jameer Johnson plays fifty snaps in the game and Austin Jordan plays eleven? Exactly, I'd have been freaking out. Yeah, and I and mean, those... and I think I'd have been well within my right to be freaking out. So I don't know if that's a compliment to Texas's depth in the secondary or an indictment on wide on the skill talent of Alabama. I think it's more the latter, honestly. Yeah, I think it's an I think it's more the latter. I think I Alabama's read skill I was, like, I was unimpressed. No, for sure. Was, that's I, why I'm, I came in so hard yeah, you last did, week. Yeah, you did last saying, week. Like, this, this isn't Alabama receivers. <laughs> These guys suck. Like it's, <laughs> Statistically, when you're three times worse against man coverage, like one of the best indicators, if you look at fantasy stuff, if you're listening and play fantasy, look at zone and man coverage, yep. and if a guy a Obliterates man like which X Man does four points two yeah. yards per se. Even uh, last year, Winnington three point two. Talking about these guys against zone. Whenever the defense is giving you something, they're serviceable. But then d- their returns are literally three times worse. Like Burton was like point five yards per route against man. Like that's just putrid. Yeah, no, it, it, they that Bama miscalculated their 
advantage on the perimeter at the skill positions offensively and defensively. Bill O'Brien got something wrong on offense. Uh, <laughs> but and I and I think Texas surprised everybody yes. with their play in the trenches. Oh, yeah. So Alabama's advantage in the trenches, which everybody thought was gonna be a huge Grand Canyon size disparity, was actually not that no. big of an advantage. The only advantage right? was in it the was, run game. It was yeah, the pass te- game Bama pass rush. Stout. Texas pass rush was great, but in the run game Bama got 4.7 yards before contact per rush. Texas was negative one. So we're talking about the D-line hitting your back, 5.7 yards difference. Negative one for Texas to 4-7 Alabama. But they didn't keep on sticking with the run game, which surprised me. Mm -hmm. And you look at Texas, and that's where tackling comes in. That contact... They're going down at that contact. You aren't getting the yards after contact that Bama guys normally get. Yeah, no, Bama's rush defense is legit, and Texas yeah. just couldn't really run the ball. The no, was, that yeah, was great. As we get to the offense, we'll talk about the injuries, but that's kind of where I wanted to start, Rod. The traditional run game, it, the only time it really got going, it was early in that that last drive, right before the half, when they were backed up. They ran some split zone and and, a, and I think a power and got it going a little bit. Oh, right Bijan, before, yeah, yeah Bijan I mean, had one for eighteen. and they had one for Bam five. Was playing more. That's why. Yeah, but that's really the only safeties, time. Yeah. I mean, in your man, man, I don't know if you got the numbers in front of you. I, I, I got off one that box score, but mind. like yeah. you're you're trying to trying to run the ball in short yardage and goal line was abysmal. I mean, they couldn't really run. How about this? Seventy three percent, nearly seventy three percent of Texas ball carriers were contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Average of negative one is where you were normally it, contacted. That's, a, that's, a, that's like the second highest rate for Alabama in like five years. Yeah. I mean, they really did shut down the Texas running game, which uh-huh. just makes it even more astounding that Texas, well, mostly because of their defense playing really well and special teams, that Texas was in the game throughout the entire game because Bijan, they featured Bijan in other ways. We know Sark can do, but Texas was – Largely one-dimensional. It's largely just big plays in the passing game, and that's why you got to give Sark a ton of credit. I said before the game, Sark's better. Sark's got to have his most innovative and creative game plan he's ever had as a head coach here at Texas. Joe Klatt echoed the same thing and mm-hmm. said he's got to be the twelfth man out there. Sorry, Aggies, uh, but he said he's got to be the twelfth man for Texas. There's no doubt it was easily the most creative game plan that Sark has ever had here at Texas. Mm-hmm. You had seven, I counted seven different personnel groupings. You had 11, <laughs> 30 12, oh, 20, 21, 30, 31, 23. He was all over the place. Had the six O line package, the diamond formation, which I suggested last year he break out the wildcat. I mean, you saw it all in that game and that twenty that it. twenty play script with with Quinn Ewers for most of it. Basically, was yeah. it was Quinn Ewers. Fire. That was a straight up masterclass. Yes, you, you were watching Quinn scripting it, a game plan. Quinn were, is straight up a best like a quarterback. He undressed machine. Alabama guys. Yeah, and yeah. I think what he what he used, and I, I brought this up, and I love that he did. I said, listen, there's only one game out there at, on the college level of Quinn Ewers, all right, playing in Sark's system. And although some people say, well, it means he's inexperienced, he's going to make mistakes. Yes, but if he is uber talented, as everybody says he is, he's got the golden arm, it also means that there's not a lot of film out yeah. there for Alabama yeah. to do breakdowns on his tendencies and strengths and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff. 
And I think Sark figured that's exactly the way I'm opening up this damn game. They don't know Quinn Ewers. They don't know how he's going to react to certain plays and circumstances. They don't know how he responds and how I'm going to utilize him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open it up with him. That's exactly what he did. And when you have a he generational up, And he made Bama have to defend every blade of grass from the first 20 plays. And that's when Bama made, knew they made the mistake of having to have X-Men in one-on-one coverage. Oh. And they figured, all right, we got to double him. So it basically softened up the Alabama defense. And if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, we may have a different result altogether. Oh, yeah. That was my big thing going into the yeah. game was I said the middle of that Alabama defense, how can you soften them up? You, the, the safeties don't need a flat foot read everything. I don't need Henry Toa Toa and Jalen Moody coming downhill. And, and I got I to gotta do whatever I can in the gate. Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. Rod, I love the motions and the shifts. Oh. You talk about the personnel groupings. Uh, it was uh, on amazing. on the before Quinn got hurt because the sat the play where he got hurt it didn't count as a play. You ran seventeen official plays with Quinn Ewers mm. in the ball game. Rod. Eight point four seven yards a play no. against yeah. Alabama. It was eleven point yeah. two yards it, it, per attempt, whew. and then when you average net crazy. yards uh, per attempt, you can combine Hudson Cards five nine and Bryce Young's, or excuse me, Hudson Cards five two and Bryce Young's five mm. three, and Quinn Ewers is eleven two was more than them two combined per attempt when you look at it, and like just seeing the ball, like Rod, you put out the idea that there was no. Skin, nothing, no film for Quinn, and then he has one of those generational arms that he when does, you get man. on the field, wow. the players can watch it in film all day, and then Still he's making not, throws yeah. that they don't expect to see because they've never seen. It's such like a Lamar throws. Jackson factor. Yep. it's like you really have to be out there with it. And it a takes Mahomes, you like a, an Aaron Rodgers. Ha- yeah, that's to why we're talking to about it. a pregame. Like it, it was basically everything you have wished for Quinn to be. He showed it for that quarter. That twenty-two yarder. Um, the out from mm-hmm. the far hash yep. to the opposite sideline. On first and long. To the far sideline from that opposite after hash. After the penalty. Yes, after after the diamond formation. Yeah. And, and it was great like first play. and 20. Yeah. Oh, the that was a RPO, play. you hit row, yeah. Oh, my God, that yep. was amazing. What a great play call. And I don't Poor blame Hayden design. Connor. I just I hate I that. I, I, I hate, I hate I'm that I'm not role. mad at him at all. It was a great play design. We'll see it again. We'll see it again. Um, but. Dude, that that was Sark. I think that was Sark just showing off, mm-hmm. and that was Quinn. You we can get back on play. You ain't college college quarterbacks are supposed to be making them throws. Yeah, you advise against college quarterbacks from the opposite hash to the far sideline. Last and night, people out, were making a, fun no, of Geno Smith for out. throwing those in the NFL. He threw a twenty. It was a twenty-something yard out, guys. It wasn't a comeback. No. Yeah. It was I, an out. Yeah, I think the first the first high school quarterback I remember seeing make that throw. I remember the first time I saw Matt, Matthew Stafford make that throw, and I was like, "Oh, Ooh. oh, that's different." What? <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." That's when everybody was like, oh, "Okay, we get it." I get okay. Well, now we get it. It you, listen. We got to talk about this in Clark. We got to talk about the testicular fortitude of that young man. Um, but you you see what the, Quinn Ewers in that offense makes Sark's offense nearly indefensible because you have to defend every blade of grass on the field. Usually you go, well, I don't have to defend, you know, if he's on this hash, I don't defend the deep out. I don't defend the deep out on the opposite sideline. Oh, yeah, you do. Because that throw he (laughs) made is more than, when you throw a 20-yard pass 30 yards wide, that ends up being air yards of over 40 yards for him. When you talk about, I get asked this a lot, Rod, like about some football terminology. What does it mean? What does it mean when a guy can make every throw? That's what you're talking about. 
when every single option on the route tree is open, regardless of down and distance, regardless of where you're on the field, hash marks, none of that, none, none of, that it matters. Matters. None of yep. it matters. And every and the and the entire route tree is open. That's what we're talking and, about. And and not only that, the arm talent is so superior. That the feet don't have to always be set. Oh my set. God! On his, on I've the seen run. this. His hips backwards. Throws. He's his feet are sometimes. I'm like, whoa! Look at the feet, and it's the, it doesn't matter. Does not affect the throw at all. No. Seriously, that's why the comp, that's <laughs> yeah, why that's the cooler. comps the comps for him as crazy as it sounds. It's like Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes and Brett Aaron Favre. Because he's got Matt Stafford. Can, he's got a Matt Stafford kind of arm too. That's Stafford was yeah. the first guy I saw that I was like, yeah. oh my god, like and that. That is, mobility. Yeah. And I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. No. And then the accuracy, like the Aaron Rodgers Mahomes type accuracy, that on the run making those throws. What the ball placement yeah, is. It's crazy, and that yeah. that makes it that would be a DB's nightmare because the ball well, isn't supposed to come out like a pitching machine or something well, and just flying it. Not only that, you got a guy who can make all the throws, then you got an offense that can scheme open anybody. Yeah. That's what you want to marry, yeah. and it makes me feel like, like oh, whenever we saw that play to just erase such a down and distance situation that in normal football terms is almost insurmountable. Like first and 17, I think. Yeah, that and point. that's yeah. where you go and have a guy like back when Texas had Vince, and he could be third and long, and you knew his feet could make up those type of things. It's very rare that you can see where just an arm can make up those type of things because you're playing on a different level than other people. Just because you got a great arm does not make you a great quarterback, but uh, – who was I talking to? I think it was Johnny Rogers I was talking to. And I think I'm starting to believe that what he said. He said, I've had coaches tell me it's gonna be the he's gonna be the greatest arm talent that Texas football has ever seen. Like that the program has ever seen. Yeah, that's hard. And honestly, it's hard to argue that it's not now, listen, he's not more accurate than Cole. Hell Cole's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football history. Uh Hell Sims had a hell of a cannon. He would mm-hmm. break people's like shoulder blades and stuff. Dude, Cut open forearms. Yeah, he, yeah, dude. Dude was yeah, he broke hands. That dude had a can. So he's probably top four or five up there too. Um, but if you talk about overall arm talent, I'm starting to believe just based on the two games I've seen, and I know it's been a really small sample size. Yeah. I think we've gotten now maybe four, maybe four quarters of football from him. Mm-hmm. And I have seen him make some throws that have jop- dropped my jaw. Like, he can. I, like, just like flabbergasted. And as a black man, I don't use that well, word. He's a 100 <laughs> rating, a perfect quarterback <laughs> rating. It makes sense. I'm not I'm not making this up. When you watch Quinn and you saw this in high school and you see it now, just a small sample we've got, he's got about as strong of, a strong of an arm as Chris Sims. Oh, I, I think I think it's uh, as strong, if not stronger. His touch, his touch is better than Sims. His, way better his, than his touch is like like Shane Bouchelle level. Touch. Shane Bouchelle maybe the best touch I've ever seen I from like Texas. Like that, He's Major got, had great touch too. And and the accuracy, it's not and the accuracy and anticipation, man. It's not Colt level. We haven't seen that much, but. Yeah. If he's got all three of those, then, yeah, he is going to be the greatest arm talent that ever came through this program. I mean, that throw to X-Man in the back of the end zone. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, X-Man. A little flick. Anybody else, I'd be like, yes, and I mean, that's a tough tough catch. X-Man's going to play on Sundays. X-Man's an NFL wide receiver. We all know that. He would tell you, I got to make that catch. I'm an NFL wide receiver. I got to make that catch. I'm I'm, going to start. Next time I talk to X-Man, I'm going to say, hey, man, I need you to start sliding two toes. You, yeah. you might as well start practicing right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get one in. You might, you know what I mean? Because I believe on that one, the 22, you already slides one. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 bro. You know, you NFL. You're, you need to get go start showing the scouts right now. They watching you. So yeah. go ahead and give them that little two tap. Go ahead and give them that two tap. Uh, by the way, 14 different, almost half the league was there on on Saturday. Exactly. Uh, and three different franchises had multiple scouts there. Yeah. So, so X-Men, go ahead. You start tapping two. That's my advice to you because you're an NFL guy. And he needs to make that catch. Um, but that was an amazing throw put where only his guy could get. His, his deep ball has a 
it drops. Yeah. Like once it is, it's weird. It, That's it, that touch Jeff's talking yeah, about. Yeah, like it goes and then there's somewhere where it starts to drop and it drops right uh, into the bread basket over where the DB is. Yep. It's it's even it's beautiful. The deep ball progress for him from the ULM game where he, he even admitted like the he would he wanted to have some back in the ULM game. Yeah. To watch the deep ball touch and accuracy he had in the ULM game, and then to watch it the few the few reps he was in for the Bama Rate game of development. Oh my gosh, Rod, that's yeah. They, some guys it takes him a whole year. To, he did it in a week. He's a prodigy. He well, did it in a week. Prodigies are that's how prodigies operate, right? B. John said, "What you just give was something Tom Herman never understood. If he's a prodigy, same thing with Kelvin Banks. Yeah. Oh no, like Kelvin Banks is against Will Anderson. One pressure. He's got against against the best defensive player in the country." At times. Oh, by the way, Dallas Turner's going to play on Sundays too. Yeah. Do, you, do uh, Texas fans? Right. I, I want you to how 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 good is Will Anderson? Hey, speak on it. There are people that have followed the Alabama program longer than I've been alive that said there are two the now. two greatest pass rushers in the history of that Alabama program. Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas and Will Anderson. That's it. That's who they put Dude, in. Derek Central. freaking Thomas. He's talking about a true freshman out there at time more than holding his own, winning yeah. one on ones against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner on outside. That got prodigy though. Mm-hmm. Prodigy. That's why you skip them ahead a couple of grades. They just need to be <laughs> challenged. Back like you don't Quinn. hold them back. You hold them back. If you hold, yeah. Trust me. They, there's a reason that Quinn Hughes was rated at a, a perfect score or whatever it was. He is a prodigy. Same thing with Bijan. Same thing with Kelvin Banks. Those guys, you need to just put them out there because mm-hmm. they they'll swim. Don't worry about them sinking. They're, sw- yeah. they're prodigies. Yeah. So you just skip them ahead. They may struggle, but they'll figure it out quicker, and their rate of development will be uh, expedited. And I wanted to point out when you were talking about the deep ball with Quinn, like when you watch most quarterbacks, most quarterbacks are throwing the ball as far as they can to get it there. Quinn basically throws it to an apex. Like he knows he has that touch that he just knows how far because he has a cannon and it's going to drop down somewhere. Like watching that deep ball to X-Men and the way he can flick his wrist, like I haven't seen or saw somebody do something like that since Michael Vick's release, the way he could just flick his wrist. And the ball would come out on look just at, a the bullet wrist. or whatever. Ewers, it, he has that same ability that he has such a short, concise motion that his wrist just can send a ball into orbit. That's a great point because he had, remember that throw to Jordan Whittington where he's under pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Is it like a is it a sixteen yard gain or yep, something? Was, remember he's under pressure and he's right over the middle mm-hmm. and it kind of goes to what you're talking about about the con, the, the throwing motion like the mm-hmm. compacted yeah, mechanics. Just, he just got it out there. Yep. and I was like, usually that if any other quarterback has more of an elongated motion, mm-hmm. um, that's like a fumble or it's knocked away at least or but his wrist is able to make kinda, it all up. He yeah, he, he was able. To, he's almost sped it up. It mm-hmm. seemed like uh, no, he is he is special. And it's like I know we got a lot to get to about the offense mm-hmm. here, but. Real quick, I love that Sark is he's so enamored with Quinn Ewers' arm and he is just a he's a brilliant offensive mind. He understands the offense is gonna be keying in on trying to stop Bijan and nobody knows how good Quinn is yet. So it's like he don't know how good he is. Force Quinn Ewers to beat you. Okay. Go look at the first down passing rate of Sark in the first two games, just with Quinn Ewers. I didn't count the Hudson card once because Sark, he does change up his play call when Hudson Card gets in there, whether he wants to believe it or not. It's yeah. like, Sark, I see it. He doesn't want it. He's like, no, I didn't change it. Okay. Yeah, you changed it. You changed it. Okay, all right. Well, all right. You can, whatever you want to believe, Sark. You did a good job, so we'll let you make it. But yeah, you, you change, your play call changed. And you know, I'm glad it does. Oh, you yeah. should adapt and adjust your play call. That's the info to he the skill keeps set. to himself, though. Yes, he doesn't want to cool give that, that cool to maybe that. hurt but confidence or to give the opponent. First down pass rate with Quinn Ewers in the first two games, all right, 63%. It's 66 first down in the Alabama rate. game. 
Uh, exactly. Overall. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, he's going to. Yeah, exactly. He's Even throwing. More, yeah. He's throwing more because he sees that teams are keying in on Bijan, mm-hmm. so he's supposed to throw more on first down. But specifically with Quinn Ewers, uh, dude, how about this? So they got sacked one time, but Quinn Ewers, 72% completion percentage on those first down pass plays, 14 and a half yards per attempt. Yeah. Eight explosive plays. And you can You've see- thrown it 18 times on first down with Quinn Ewers, and you produced. Eight explosive plays. I'll tweet that right. out later, but it's unbelievable. And yeah. it's just on first down because everybody's keying in on Bijan, and they're figuring it's one of those things where you're, you know, you're basically going against a program, defensive programming, which is oh, early downs, they're going to run, especially with Bijan. And he's like, no, we're going to chunk it. We're going to throw it. And those play action passes, RPOs on those early downs. A lot of that. A lot of that. Killing that opening, guys. That yep. opening script, Rod, it wasn't that, it wasn't that different. We talked about the Oklahoma script, how good it was last year. When he Bijan was a decoy, early down pass rate yeah. was like sixty five percent somewhere. And it was the same there. thing in this in game, man. I mean, plays. like you're going tight end screen that RPO pass to Roshan. We talk about the deep out to Worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you took you took shots down the field. Well, yeah, Bijan right touched up. it a couple of times. But one one I know was an RPO. It's not like you were just drawing up stuff for five. I mean, you were. No, he got everybody. Jay, was on point. If if, Jay, if, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Jay wins the play of the game. Yeah, because yeah. right after He's I was it. about to say that, because after the two series yeah. of throwing, well, and it took two series of yeah. taking the top off the defense, yep. that then he got the all the attention, and you had wit for two straight drives. You mm-hmm. moved downfield strictly just knowing that now he has man-to-man, and Jay yep. Witt can contested catch against anybody. And it, and it was almost like how I remember Sam keying in on Duvernay back in the day. That oh, if yeah. it was any, Oh, shout-out Duvernay had a it, great weekend. Oh, yeah. Duvernay did, yes. Almost won me a million dollars. Oh, I, I was very mad at myself. <laughs> speaking of, we're talking reference Lamar Jackson earlier. Speaking of the Ravens, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, to y'all's point about Jordan Whittington, he had five, he had seven catches for the game. Five of them were in the first quarter, and you to the point where I remember man. talking to to Bob Alou from CBS here in Austin. He looked it up like, man, I, I got to look up the school record for catches in a game because Whittington could be. You know, you. halfway there, third they, of the way there, by the end of the first they, quarter. No, they, he, he was forcing them to pick their poison, which mm-hmm. was, if you go, because they started to double X Man. Mm-hmm. And they, you can tell, go throughout the game, they start either rolling coverage to X Man or they got an underneath defender in a corner over the top. They just made sure, we got, they, they made a mistake of just saying they can cover them one on one. They started to put two guys on them, which is why I'll give Stark a ton of, ton of credit. I've been on Stark about, hey, man, I need you to anticipate the adjustments of your opponents, and I need you to come up with a creative counter, all right? That's just part of you, your evolution to become a great coach. Go watch. Did Casey Kane have that one catch? Just that one catch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go watch that play. They run quads, mm-hmm. and I believe they cover up JT Sanders mm-hmm. on that, on that side. Right. I think you're right, yeah. And he stays in and blocks. And he figures out he has he has X Men number two in the slot, Jay Wiss number three, counting outside in, Casey Kane's number one near mm-hmm. the sideline. Yep. And he just clears out and he knows they're gonna double X Men. He mm-hmm. knows it. He just doesn't know how, but he knows he's gonna bring Casey Kane underneath and that's gonna it's gonna clear out because they got Jay Witt running to that opposite hash, that opposite mm-hmm. sideline, and that's gonna take a safety and that's gonna take that other opposite corner. And then they're gonna take X Men and I think the if I'm not mistaken, the nickel and the safety take X-Men, and yeah, the corner is late, right. collapsing in on that deep yeah. in route. Yep. And it was a great adjustment by Sark. He figured out, he's like, they're going to double them. I'm going to put them inside, and then I can clear out, and then that should open it up. And I think he knew that Hudson Card, could, there are certain throws he could make mm-hmm. and certain throws he couldn't make. Yeah. He's like, all right, I know he, Hudson Card can make that throw. If I, if I give him a big enough window, he can make that throw. Yeah. And it was a, a throw that Hudson Card that, could make. 
That play that you just pointed out. And I'm is, not saying he couldn't make it because he's not a great player. Could could make it because of his foot yeah, or ankle or whatever. Exactly. And you go back to it's a game that always sticks in my mind because it was like the most optimal passing football ever. But the Bills versus Chiefs back in the in January. And if you watch all those Gabe Davis plays, it's because Stephon Diggs is getting the same treatment by Kansas mm-hmm. City. And in that same type of alignment, they have – Davis as the guy that's going to be last on the totem pole, but he's almost unaccounted for because yep. it just sprays the defense across mm-hmm. to where whoever comes in that last spot is going to be wide open. Yeah. It um, was a great concept. It was a great mm-hmm. adjustment by Sark, man. I loved it. I, I, I love so much stuff that Sark did in this game. Uh, the one thing before we move on, talk about the injuries and some of the issues on offense before we mm-hmm. and wrap this up. Uh, Rod, to your point about Quinn's arm talent and when they made the adjustment, started going to Whittington a little bit more. I don't I'm sure I've seen it. Jordan Whittington on that whip route that he ran that bopped off for about 17 yards. He uh, ran that at about 12. You don't run, you don't ask a guy to run a whip route that deep unless you've got a quarterback that you know can get it out there in a hurry. Yeah. Because A, he's not gonna have a lot of time. So you gotta you gotta have a guy that can that can whip it. And, and the ball makes it up the time. I was like, damn, the most of the whip routes I've seen, even like Tom Herman, Mike Yersich, they ran whip routes. We've seen whip yeah. routes. Run. Most of them are like either mesh concepts, like five to seven yards within the line of scrimmage. This was like 12 yards, a 12-yard <laughs> whip. I'm like, yeah. I'm sure I've seen that, but I can't remember when I've seen yeah, it. That's and I'm sure the, the corner's like, that's not on the route tree. That's well, supposed to be. Exactly. And when <laughs> you think about right. the timing of pass rush and if you're supposed to get it out in a certain amount of time, DBs are supposed to know, well, then he cannot do this, this, exactly. or this. Exactly. You but cancel you routes as you go. a rocket arm that makes up that time yeah. in the air. I can't cancel out that route. can make up that time yeah. in the air to where you just nobody else is programmed to practice You would have got things. me on a 22-yard out yeah. from the opposite <laughs> hash. I'm telling you because I would have. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking to myself. There's no way. This, if he does it, I'm going to have so much time to recover. I'm going to pick six into the house. Yeah. You know what but I mean? I'm going to be celebrating. And he's got that. Because I'm not going to. Man, my, my, he's right. My program to cover that when I'm looking at the situation, I'm not thinking. But I, I, based on my film study now, I'd be like, <laughs> no, no, that quarterback can make that throw. And what does that do? That opens up other routes. Mm-hmm. For that wide receiver, because now I'm covering, I'm on the opposite sideline covering a, an out. I'm covering a deep outcut potentially. <laughs> that means <laughs> now you have five so made, options. So I'm going to leave potentially the post route and other stuff open because of leverage. It is, it is really, really. It's it was impressive to watch. Well, most likely, watch. it's going to be a couple games before we yeah. get that back because no of the injury. Uh, it just sucks when it happened. It sucks for Texas. It sucks for Texas fans. You didn't get to see that game all the way through with Quinn Ewers playing. Uh, but Rod, I, I'm with you real quick. Man, shout out to Hudson Card because oh, he played. He played about man. half of it. You know what? And I made Hudson Card, baby. That Somehow was, playing bro, on I an ankle almost sprain. beat Alabama on one, one foot. leg. Yeah, on Damn, like a thing a... where normally people are out a month for oh, a high. I just I feel bad for for Hudson Card. That dude just can't catch a break. He like the West man. Virginia game last year when he started playing well, mm-hmm. that was the end of his season, and it's like here he is. He's got a chance to maybe come come in for an intro Quinn Ewers and be beat Bama, and then. Now you, can you do it with one leg? And Rod, Rod, to your point about that throw on the last drive to Casey Kane, typically, typically with Hudson Card, when do we see him make his best throws? When it's one read, boom, he knows where he's going with the football, he can get rid of it. Now that becomes even more critical when now you don't have the ability to get away from the rush. You're basically a, you, you've basically taken the one thing he has over Quinn Ewers, which is mo- his mobility, mm. you're basically taking that away from That's him. That's a great point. So Sars got a game plan now. Yeah. yeah. More bigger windows, quicker reads. Yeah. No, yeah, I like that. Um, but the one thing, and Sark threw himself under the bus on Monday for this, 
And the one thing I'll nitpick, some of the red zone play calling, and Rod, the clock management on the drive before the end of the half. I want to go to one. I want to go to one play in there. Uh, it was between the deep ball to Bijan. Oh, okay, the wheel route. The wheel route to Bijan. Trying to get to half because they had get got the ball out. No, I'm not talking about the wheel route specifically though. Between the wheel route to Bijan and the next play, you snapped off was a. I remember this now. A a one yard out to Jatavian Sanders. I remember this now. That took eight seconds off the clock. I remember that now. So you basically spent eight seconds to gain one yard. Yeah. And you and you could have kept the ball in the middle of the field. Hell, you could have run if you wanted to. You had all three of your timeouts. That's that's probably even more. So basically you indictment. basically you wasted eight seconds. Yeah. Yeah, bad bad game management yeah. in that situation. They probably were unsure what they were gonna do. Hell, even happens to NFL coaches. Ask Nathaniel Hackett. But at that point, if you got all three t- if you got all three timeouts exactly. kick what? If, don't get me started on that. Exactly. I was, uh, look, Rod, I know you say the same thing about your wife or my wife who knows nothing about football. She's like that doesn't seem like a very smart move. I'm like, no, babe, it's it's not. And he's over really five not. in his career on kicks over sixty two yards. But oh, that's great. at that point, Rod, shouldn't your clock management tell you, okay, you get an explosive play? Just you've got three timeouts. Just bang time a timeout, out. and they're if like, you, okay, if you're unsure, and you got that many timeouts. Call a timeout and yeah. discuss it and regroup. Yeah, exactly. And say the eight seconds there much yeah. more important than the yeah. timeout. I'm with you. Just call the timeout and go. All right, let's let's figure out what we want to do here because I had no idea. If you don't, if you if you're not if you're not thinking ahead that yeah. far, it's cool. Just call the you timeout. can't you cannot waste that clock and, time. Exactly. No, you're right. And, and that's, ma- in that game, that's those kind of things. There's a game of interest. And even then, yeah. even then, the field goal like. Like we talked about, it's a tough angle to make a kick from. The mm. play clock was running down. Rather than rush my snapper and my holder and my kicker, just take the delay a game penalty. At least it makes it a more manageable angle for your Good kicker. Point. That's not a bad idea, man. That's yeah, not, I agree that's not there. a bad idea. Because you can tell they're kind of rushing it, and it's yeah. like, you you can number one you have a timeout left that's a good point. or yeah. just take the delay again. That's a great point because yeah, it's not the, the, with the five yards. It yeah, helps that's you. not true. Yeah, exactly. In that yeah. situation, exactly when you think it through, it's like actually it helps us. I didn't think you're right. That's I agree with you. I agree with you 100. I didn't ever thought about that. I didn't. Yeah, those are the two things on that drive that. And then look, I know on the first drive of the game. It's and I want you know what, and that's some Gary Patterson probably should be you know helping like hey somebody like, should be responsible. Somebody for that. should be I don't because you got to face that game management person yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, on the I know you ended up getting a field goal on the first drive, and I know Kool Aid McKinstry should have been called for DPI against Octavian Sanders. Mm-hmm. But this just reinforces it. The jump ball fade around the goal line is maybe the worst play you can call in football. It's 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 pretty antiquated, and now analytically we know mm-hmm. very low success rates yeah. for normal human beings. If yep. you are Megatron and Randy Moss, yes, very high success rates in the fade <laughs> in the end zone. But most human beings, yeah, very low success. So if rates I've got one of the five greatest receivers to ever play the position, yes. yes if I don't know, I agree with that. Got yeah. it. And I don't, I don't know why it became so popular. Maybe because of those two guys, yeah, I guess. No, it did. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. All the the analytics says that says that that is one of the lowest success rate uh, in terms of plays in, in pass routes in the end zone. That's one of the lowest success rates. It, it's, I almost feel like the the Billy Bean scene in Moneyball when they're talking about replacing Jason Giambi. I almost want to be like, so Randy Moss runs that right? Do we have a receiver like Randy Moss? No, we don't. And, and if he's out there, can we go get him by next week? No, we yeah. can't. 
So what are we even doing? What are we doing here? It's like the Texans trying to be the Patriots of the South. It's like, do you have Belichick or Brady? No. Then you're not the Patriots of the South. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Which, by the way, what a what a pig f oh. of an ending. To, Come to on, Lovey. Come on, Lovey. You opt to oh to oh no to punt. I don't know. Don't give me sorry. We gotta. Let's focus. On I know we got to wrap this up. Right, what no, a, no, no, let's focus on. We but, okay, so as of right now, stuff. we reported uh, this at Horns twenty four seven Tuesday morning. This was before Tuesday's practice. Monday's practice, no reps for Hudson Card. Charles Wright getting with the ones. Hey. Rod, I like that because whether Hudson, it, it, the the challenge for Sark is going to be how late in the week do you let it get? How close to kickoff do you let it get before you make a final determination on Hudson Card? Like pre-game it, warm-ups? I say you start. You build a game plan for worst-case scenario. That's how coaches should work. You build from the worst-case scenario to, toward the best one. So you, you're building the game plan should be, I have no Hudson card. I got Charles Wright. He's my starting quarterback. Because in that game, yeah. there's a good chance, knock on wood, the Hudson card's going to get hurt anyway. Well, and he's immobile. Yeah, with his, yeah. He's telling there, you the truth. So yeah. uh, the game plan so. should be pretty similar if, yeah. say, card can't get out of the pocket and becomes a traditional pocket passer yeah. the way that Wright is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, as of as of right now, as we sit here right now, I tend to think it's going to be Charles Wright starting that game. I agree with that. Uh, probably going to going to limit your vert. They're going to limit your vertical passing game. And like you said, Matt, that Wildcat will rush on. The good thing is Sark has been here before. The K State going into the K State game last oh, year yeah. it was a Friday game. I remember Sark it. woke up on Tuesday thinking I'm not going to have either one of these quarterbacks available. Yeah. And I think by like that Wednesday practice, I think Casey's thumb was manageable enough to where. He could do some things, but at least Sark has been here before and knows how to plan for 16, it. Sixteen, I believe I counted sixteen Wildcat snaps in that or plays in that K State game from last year. That sounds That's right. How many I counted? So you, yeah, I mean, I, I think That's you're about right. a, a quarter of them. Yeah, I mean, and that makes. I mean, they were really productive out of it too. So, and when you had row one of the Wildcat in that K State game, you didn't have Bijan either. Oh, that's true. You're gonna have Bijan. You have Bijan yeah. was banged up, but he came to the media. Wasn't Vela. Jonathan Brooks banged up in that game too. Yeah, you were down to and Ke- uh, Key. I was, it was a Keelan. I was Keelan and Rojo. But Keelan got hurt against West Virginia too, so he wasn't 100. Yeah, you're basically right. you were going like Thurman Thomas, Tecmo Super Bowl direct snap to the running back the whole game. <laughs> I'm just like that was Listen, your offense. This is a good point. It, it is if that defense is legit, you just have to switch your blueprint to win. You got to become kind of an Oklahoma State and kind of Baylor were last year. Ball control, defensive oriented, you know, run first offenses. And I think Texas can do that for a while until you can kind of recalibrate. And if you, if Daniel, your defense is legit. If Daniel Trejo hmm. can, can, is your punter and that was the start of something, Rod, can the phrase complimentary football be uttered yeah. in relation to this program? This is true. And we're not saying no, don't do it. Yeah, no. If if especially now with your quarterback situation, if you do have some decent special teams, which you did versus Bama, yeah. And your if your defense and special teams can play at that level the rest of the year, no joke. I, I do think even with the quarterback issues you have right now, you should still be able to win your fair share of games. I'm still thinking Tech should be an eight, close to an eight win team. You yep. c- even if that's the case, I know it sounds crazy, but. If they're legit, we don't know if they're legit yet because yeah. they got to refill the cup, as you talked about. Even even with even if you start Charles Wright in this game, you're good enough to go beat UTSA. It, I think it's so. a it's a game where, like the Louisiana game last year, you should be able to win it. You're the better football team, but if you mess around and you let Jeff Trailer's team get to the fourth quarter, 
Like Jeff Trailer and Billy Napier, you look at the way they built their programs. Team, they'll they'll fight their tails off for four quarters. Yeah. If you let them get to the fourth quarter and they are within striking distance, that's a place you don't want to be. Yeah, you're right about that. And that was a good team last year. Turns out there's a one loss. Exactly. Louisiana they're team. they're not like they're not like a ULM where oh man we have hope. You know if if you give an under, no. They they really are going in thinking they are going to win the ball game. You got to solve the Frank Harris problem uh, yep. in that game. Now I think they did a good job in the Bama game. They didn't need a spy all the time, but they did need one late because uh, Bryce Young did hurt him late with the seventeen yard. I think it was a twenty yard that was actually mm-hmm. after Ryan White sack. With Frank Harris, you definitely gonna need a spy. They yep. like they like design runs with him, and he likes to scramble. Yeah, yep. he's a true dual threat, and he will. I mean, he'll hurt you if you don't prepare for him. He will make you look bad out there. Yeah, the he's Texas, top ten right now in the country in passing. Yeah, and the Texas secondary looking so good against Alabama made me feel good. But looking at UTSA returning all three of those wide receivers too, there's a good chemistry between the quarterback and yeah, receivers. And then they haven't been able to run the ball this year, but they do have Arkansas's running back from last year, Traylon Smith, mm-hmm. transferred to UTSA. He went for twelve for 75 in a touchdown against Texas last year with Arkansas. But I think it's just more line issues because he's a top-tier type talent. For UTSA, you could say, you know, if you look at players just on paper, he's one of their best players on paper. Yeah. But he just hasn't got the numbers this year because I really think their line's been problematic. And that's the only thing that Texas can, like, confuse. Mm. And if you get home with against Bama, now I know Bama's line may not be what normal Bama lines is, it's still got to make you feel confident. They're better than UTSA's O line. UTSA's O line is really beat up right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've got to, you've got to, that Texas D line, you've got to build on that performance. Yeah. And you've got to win. You've got to win your one. That's why they're going to move Frank Harris around. They're going to move the pocket. Mm-hmm. They'll move him around. I think, I think Rod, it could be a big Tuck game, big mm. Diamante Tucker Dorsey game. We'll just put a spy on him all the time. I, he's the, if you want to use predominantly one guy, I, if I remember, I would use different guys. I would use Overstone. I would, too. I would use Jade yeah, Barrett. Overson, I would yeah, use Overson. Jaron Thompson. I don't want him to know who, who the spy yeah. is on every play. So I'm with you. I'd Hell, I would use, guy. at times, I would, depending on how you want to drop and move things up front, use Ovia Gofu as a spy. Mm-hmm. I don't, it don't matter. Yeah. Just exactly. throw different stuff at him. Yep. Yep. See if he can we saw him. last week them using Dorsey in different ways than just a traditional linebacker. Like he was rushing off the edge on some plays. Like they actually were giving different looks so you can't really compartmentalize or just if you're looking at film, expect one guy to always do one thing. They're yep. doing a lot of multiple things. No, they are. I, and I, I, I hate to say it too, but I do think that's GP's influence. You do have a lot of different mm-hmm. looks defensively. They're just subtle things. Mm-hmm. They're very little subtle things. But well, enough like Dorsey up the to, edge, you weren't expecting yes, exactly, that. Yes, exactly. But enough to make a quarterback rethink his pre-snap diagnosis. Yep, yep 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll see how it all plays out on Saturday. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on Ball Don't Lie each and every weekday with Mike Harge from 3 to 7. Shameless book. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slides. 
slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.